know of. Um, recognized recently, well, probably over more than recently, that Susan and I view things a little bit differently at times. Well, we don't always look at things the same. Uh, we've been doing some construction around home, and I'm someone who can celebrate all the steps that go into something. I, I see one little thing happen, and I can celebrate that something's happened. She says, when's this thing getting finished? Why won't it be done? When are you going to finish doing this? And um, when, when we think about a clean bedroom, we, we view that differently. A made bed, uh, if there's a pillow on it and a doona scrunched up somewhere in the corner, that bed's made. We have different view on that one. A clean kitchen, if the, if the dishes are sort of stacked near the sink and there's no half-eaten sandwiches on the bench, then that's a clean kitchen. In my opinion, apparently not. I've, I've found out over, over time with that one as well. And when we visit people or interact, I, I have this assumption. Sue's is someone that doesn't want to overstay or if we're not invited, feels uncomfortable going. I'm someone who, people are blessed by my presence. <laughs> they just want me here. They just want to hang out with me. Romance, I, I apparently just lifting your eyelashes isn't romantic. Apparently, cleaning the kitchen and making the bed how she wants them made is romantic. Uh, some of you guys understand what I'm saying by the sound of it. As Ivan's been telling me lately, like, um, you're married as well, are you? You know, we were talking at the end of last year just on how God just speaks to us. Like, a few of us went, really went through the ringer. As a church in different areas, we went through the ringer last year, and, and this wasn't just specific here. This was something across the kingdom. I spoke with churches all over the place, and there was an attack on the kingdom of God, um, unlike uh, times before last year. And as we just sat and saw him at the end of last year, we just felt that God said, there are, there are good things coming, that uh, we're believing that this is our best year yet. And that doesn't necessarily mean that... Um, we're going to be leprechauns going to the end of the rainbow and finding a money pot sitting there or, or, or that things are necessarily going to go all right. But the best year ever means that we're sticking under God's plan and under his purpose. And as we sought God, we, we felt a few things at the end of last year. God's saying this over us from Isaiah 43. You are precious and honored in my sight. And because I love you, do not be afraid I am with you. God just wants to draw near to us. He's got a desire to be close to us. I'll bring your children from the east and gather you from the West. He has a desire for our families to be home. And I just believe even this year that it's going to be a year where people's families come back home to the Lord. I've received and saved and proclaimed, God says over us. That he, he, we are his. And he, he is ours in that whole aspect. Chariots, horses, the army lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick really felt strongly at the end of last year, God saying this, the number of attacks that have been over us, over different people and over different places, he snuffed out. This is talking about, he's talking about the Red Sea there where um, the chariots of Egypt were buried under the water, but prophetically I believe in our lives that God has cut off attacks on us and cut off things that the enemy has been trying to do, and he wants us to walk in that victory. The former things do not dwell in the past. I'm doing a new thing. God wants newness in your life. I provide the water in the wilderness, streams in the wasteland, to give to my people, my chosen. So I've been praying this, and um, 
as I've been praying these things, I'm praying these things for us and for you and for myself and my family. And I felt God saying that if this is stuff we're going to walk in, it's not something that we can just be the same. We can't just do the same things and expect different results, you hear people say. You can't just do and think the same and expect the same and expect something different, the same as the world around us. We can't act like everybody else, think like everybody else, and expect heaven to manifest itself around us. See, the word for this year as I've been praying, I I felt God really saying that this is a year God wants us just to recognize that we are people that possess a different spirit. We're a people who have a different spirit. And you hear that and you might recognize where that sits in the Bible. And I was just asking God, show me someone in the Bible who this really fits and models what a different spirit looks like. And of course, we know in Numbers 14, God's talking to Caleb and speaking over Caleb there. And because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. See, God's not looking for you to just be like everybody else. He's not looking for another average Joe Blow. He's not looking for a mediocre Sally. God's wanting to dash chariots. He's wanting to bring streams into your life, children home, family home. He's looking for a people who possess and carry within them a different spirit. He's looking to say over you, my servant Caleb has a different spirit. He's looking to serve and put your name in there. My servant, you have a different spirit. He's looking to pronounce this over you. You have a different spirit. You've been following me wholeheartedly. You will possess the things I've promised you. Not just you, but your descendants. See, we know the story that this comes from. Right? The Israelites have come out of Egypt and gone through the Red Sea and carrying a whole bunch of wealth with them. Somehow they got freed from captivity and left with a whole bunch of finance and wealth upon them and rode across the desert. And then in the middle of there, they're needing a provision. And so God starts providing for them and giving them manna in the morning or a way we understand that. Apparently it's a little way for things, but I'm thinking more like pancakes, pancake breakfast. And then they have quails in the afternoon or something we might recognize, KFC. So they're eating pancakes and KFC every day, wandering through this desert. But they, and they go to Sinai and get the, the Ten Commandments and they interact with gold and there's a whole golden calf thing and they rebel and come back and rebel and come back. And, and all this while seeking God and, and they have a fire to keep them warm at night. They have cloud to give them shade during the day. And then they get to the edge of where God was taking them through this whole journey. And so he says, grab 12 of the men, one from each tribe and send them in. And so in they go and they walk through the land. And it doesn't sort of tell us how long it took, but it must have taken a little while for them to get through, through Canaan there. And they come back. And as they've been there, they've found, some, they've found a vine and they've cut off this great big bunch of grapes and they've got some figs and just excited. Look at all this stuff. Wow, God was right. This place really does flow with milk and honey. It's, it's a really interesting phrase, isn't it? Flowing with milk and honey. Is there like rivers that come down? I think a Willy Wonka flowing with chocolate uh, when that comes down. But what it's meaning is that it doesn't just have our needs met there. It has the good stuff. The luxuries are there. There is a spa bath in every house. We just get to, this is just an amazing place that we want to hang out in and be. And then we know that they start saying, but before you get too excited, before you get too excited, there's giants there. 
They're huge. They've got big swords and javelins. And their cities, they've got walls up around them. And I know they haven't been invented yet, but they've got tanks. And they've got all these guns and everything. They're, they're bigger than us. They make us afraid. In actual fact, we just look like insects when we think about ourselves and think about them. Our minds tell us that we're just insects compared to them. And so they see the goodness and they see everything there. But then Caleb, it says he, he got up before everyone and he said, would you guys just shut up? The Bible says he silenced the people. But would you guys just shut up for a moment? You know, we can do this, Moses. Moses, we can do this. We can grab this. He silenced the people and said, we should go up and take possession of the land. So the thing this morning, I want to talk about what it's like to possess a a different spirit. And the first thing is this. Those with a different spirit don't go with the flow. They don't just go where everybody else is going. They don't just do what everybody else is doing. Caleb had a different view. See, sometimes we look at photos like this, and we do this in teamwork, and we go, which person there is causing trouble in the team? One going the different way, and I'm like, yeah, well, unless those other three are rowing towards a cliff, and then the one going the opposite way is doing the right thing. You know, sometimes we get, we get called out, oh, you're just, going, you're just creating problems, you're just causing irritation and creating havoc, and you're going against the flow. People with a different spirit don't just go with the flow. They set culture. They don't do things just because everybody else is doing. In the workplace, they don't just because other people are taking things from from the workplace or, or taking belongings or possessions there. They don't do it. They set culture. Just because other people are taking sickies on all the days and go, oh, it's, it's owed to me. It's my right to take it. No, they set culture just because gossip's hanging around or, or people are speaking badly. No, we're a people with a different spirit who set culture. We know this phrase, don't we? Be in the world, not of the world. In the world, not of the world. In, in John 17, Jesus is praying for his disciples. And he prays this, he says, he says, they're not of this place. They're not of the world, Father. And just as I wasn't of the world. See, our, our source Our place of origin isn't from this world. The place where we grab influence from, the place where we set our values, where our values get inputted, where our resource gets inputted, where our eyes get inputted, where the culture comes into us, it's not of this world. We carry something different. That word different there was first used in the Bible when Shem was born. And so Adam and Eve had Cain and Abel. Abel followed and worshipped God well. Cain got jealous of that and slaughtered Abel. As a result of that, and then Shem, the Bible says, Shem was born one that was different to Cain. One that carried the culture of heaven and carried the lineage of heaven on. So we're people who are different from the world. We carry heaven within us. Spirit there, that's used in Genesis 1.1, the spirit of God, the essence of God, the nature, the full complete aspect of who he was. Our whole complete aspect isn't born here, it's raised in heaven coming down our source, our identity. But see, then it says, Jesus after that, he prayed this, he said, but I'm sending them into the world, just as you sent me into the world. 
So we're like, I've heard that phrase often, be in the world but not of the world. It's almost like, you know what, I'm just waiting to get out of this stinking place. I can't wait to get out of this cesspit of a world and into heaven where I need to be because I'm not of here. I want to get out of it. But I think Jesus would think of it like this. Don't be of the world, but be sent to the world. See, this world is blessed because we're here. This world is able to receive redemption because we're here. There is favor and prosperity in this world because we're here. Because we exist here and bring heaven here, people that are not of this place but of heaven, this world is blessed around it. Your family is blessed because you're in the family. Your community, your workplace is blessed because you've been sent there. Not of this world, but heaven is able to invade. Silence, Caleb said, we can do this. But the people said, oh, it can't be done. That can never happen. You know, when you're sitting around work or sitting around friends, you come up with it, oh, that can never happen. You'll never achieve that. So the second thing that people with a different spirit have is they have a positive confession. Caleb was surrounded by people who had a negative spirit, a defeated spirit, a limited spirit, where they said, this can't happen, it can't be done. Oh, it looks pretty good, but there is no way you can do that. They're bigger and faster and stronger, and they've got more of them, and there's fortified cities. And You know, like those times when you've said, oh, we can, you know what, I can just see my street, my neighborhood. I can see it reach for Jesus. I can see it one for Jesus. It was, ah. You can't do that. There's a six-foot fence next door. They don't want to hear about Jesus. They don't want to know you. They don't, don't go bothering them and trying to form relationship with your neighbors. They don't want to know you. Oh, that guy across the street, he doesn't want to know anything about you. Oh, it just can't be done. I remember when, um, when we were changing the youth focus, the focus of our youth ministry from, from an activity-based to a Jesus-based Ah, word-based and worship-based youth ministry. I had a few negative voices come up at that one. You can't do that. Teenagers aren't going to be interested in worship. Teenagers don't want to hear, the, hear preaching each week. They don't want anything of heaven. They don't want anything of Jesus. I'm like, no, nah, let's do this. We can possess this. We can inhabit this. And under that model, it grew bigger than ever before. So the real problem the real problem with people who have a negative spirit is it infects others around them. See, when, when they, these people spoke up and said, we can't do this, Moses, the word says that the, through the whole camp went a bad report. And then it says the next day they all got up and they were whinging and moaning and groaning. And it uses this word in Numbers 14, the people began to grumble. They are a whole bunch of grumblers just having a negative spirit and a bad report in there. How do you view things? How do you view things? Do you have that grief mentality? Oh, grief this morning. I can't believe. Oh, it's raining today. Oh, it's a miserable day outside. Oh, isn't this, isn't this terrible? Or do you have the good? Do you have the good? Oh, look at that. It's raining outside. Oh, look at that. It's, it's overcast. What a great day it is. We can stick a movie on. We can get the doona out, and my wife's going to snuggle up to me today. This is going to be a good day. How do we view things? Do we view the good that can happen in things, or do we look at the negative that's coming around and see a different spirit? They're people that look positively, see the potential. 
the whole thing of is the bottle half full, half empty? Well, if you talk to a scientist, it's actually always all full. Half water, half air. That was for you, Wayne. I saw him. <laughs> we know Proverbs speaks that life and death is in the power of the tongue. Uh, what are we confessing? Are we confessing life or are we confessing death? See, different spirit people have a positive confession. Caleb knew the promise. This is actually one of the reasons why it's so important to read your Bible. Read the word why so you can know the promises. Get up in the morning, Lord, what do you want to show me today that I can actually grab hold of? Caleb knew that this place that he'd gone and spied out, well, God had said that this is ours. So we should go up and grab it because God has said it. And he believed that more. He had a, a different spirit. See, that's where the third thing comes in. People with a different spirit have a possession mentality. They have a possession mentality. See, the people with a different spirit, they come and they, they look at things and go, God said, I can have that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have that, Lord. You said this is our land. You said, Lord, that I can have your likeness inside me. Lord, you said that those who I pray for will get well. You said, Lord, that my nature and my character is going to change when you come and live inside me. You said I can be a person who loves. See, understand this. We, people of a different spirit have a possession mindset, not a provision mindset. Possession mindset, not a provision mindset. See, before the people of Israel entered the promised land, before they got there, they had a miracle provision every day. Manna in the morning, quail at night, cloud in the day for comfort, fire at night for comfort and protection. Every day, miracle provision. As soon as they entered the promised land, it stopped. See, so many of us, we want God to come through in that miracle provision. Lord, I just need you to give me a million dollars. Pay my mortgage off. Pay all my bills forever. Come through on that miracle provision, Lord. Give me that miracle provision. But see, God's desire isn't just for a miracle provision. If it was, it would have continued when they got to the place that he'd promised them. His desire for us is possession. Now, it's really great when we have that word of knowledge or that prophecy that comes to us and convicts our hearts to go, man, I've been walking way off course with God. Thank you for just touching my heart, Lord, and, and cracking right through into my innermost being and setting me back on course yet. That's really great when we have the provision of that word. How much better is it when we possess the character of Christ in us at all times? You know, it's really great when we have that miracle that comes through and restores relationship. We have that provision that comes through and makes things right between us. How much better is it when we possess the love of God inside us? that our relationships continue just to flow with love and with hope at all times. See, this is the thing. So often, so often we get caught up in this, this looking, sort of this victim spirit that comes upon us. Oh, it's never okay. I just don't have enough. It's not going to work out. There is no way this is going to come through. Oh, my goodness. Woe is me. Lord, I just need a miracle to come through and then we know next time when we get that miracle we know that it's not going to be complete then and i need another miracle lord and i need another miracle now i'm not not saying that the miracles of god are things we shouldn't be seeking by all means yes yes and yes and amen and amen and amen we need the hand of god and the miracles of god in our lives but i believe he wants the he wants us to possess the inheritance not just relying on his one hand but possess the fullness 
of everything that he has for us. Not just relying on that one-time breakthrough, but actually holding the fullness of the heaven inside us so that we can be that breakthrough for others. See, we're a different people who see the breakthrough, who actually hold a possession in there. See, when, when God said of Caleb, he spoke over him, this is my servant Caleb who has a different spirit, who has followed me wholeheartedly. People with a different spirit follow fully. They follow fully, or a better way of saying that is, is fully follow. Have you ever met people or, or had these conversations? So what, what's it actually take to be a Christian? What's it actually take to be a Christian? What's it actually take to, to do this thing? And you're like, well, actually it's free, but it costs you everything. We know the, the rich young ruler came up to Jesus. I've done all this. I've made it in. How do I actually get this? You've got to sell everything. It's going to cost you everything. Are you all the way in on it? See, those are limited spirit. They think, oh, how can I get by? What's the minimum I can do? What's the just get by amount that I can put in this? But those with a different spirit give everything. Their dreams, their finances, their agenda, their values, their reputation. Caleb saw the same things. He saw the fortified cities. He saw the giants. He, he saw the armies. He saw everything against him. But he didn't know how. He just knew that God had promised. If God had ordered it, God will pay for it. When we were looking to move youth camp, we'd been running youth camp at the end of the year and just felt God say, look, we need to, we need to move that. We're doing great things and seeing great things happen in the lives of the young people. But then Christmas happens and we don't get to reap the results of that. And so we felt God say to move it to Easter time. And so we did that. And we planned and set it all up. The only problem is, Sue's, I still haven't worked out how this happened because it keeps happening, but she fell pregnant in the midst of all that. And um, the due date was right in the middle of camp, or actually just about a week after camp. We went, oh, this is, this is tough. This is tough to do. So we could have followed partly, or we could just follow fully. And so we chose to follow fully. Oh, well, we won't change things. Then the word of God came through saying, your son will be born on camp. Okay. And Josiah was born in the midst of the camp. And his first day of life, he was on a church camp, which is wonderful. And he just loves and the whole thing. The next year, that camp slot, Sue's end up getting pregnant again. And has a habit of that. But all of a sudden, it got harder that year because we actually lost a child on camp during the middle of that camp. All of a sudden, there were things coming against. And we could have gone, this is just some crazy time. But we decided to follow fully fully followed. It doesn't matter what was going on around the outside. God had ordered this and he's going to look after it. And so, and because of that, we have seen more leadership potential developed in young people. We have seen more, more ability developed. We've seen lives that have been able to be harvested for the kingdom in a greater way because we followed what God had for us at that point. You know, God went on speaking about Caleb. I'll bring him into the land and his descendants, he and his descendants will inherit it. See, it's the thing. Different-spirited people, they have a possession. They provide for future generations. They leave a legacy. They make it better for those around them. You know, we, we've got this world at the moment that just seems to be all about me, storing up treasures for me. This spirit that's just, what can I get? How can I get this? So I am absolutely amazed now and, and looking at, at research and, and talking with people who... Are married, long-term committed couples, but no children. And it's not because there's complications, just because of choice. Now, we've just made the life decision not to have children. 
it just seems totally bizarre. What's the purpose of marriage? What's the purpose of it? God said, what was the first thing he told us to do? Go multiply. Go have kids. Make babies. And yet people have this selfish thing going on inside them, but we're a different spirited people. We provide for others. Caleb, after he possessed the place in Judges 15, he said he'd actually just wiped out a few giants. We'll talk about that soon. But then he has this one fortified city, and he's like, okay, you know what? We're going to do this. I'm gonna... And so he says, Who, whoever takes that city can have my daughter. They can marry my daughter, and I'll, I'll throw a lush wedding. And so his, um, his nephew takes it, and he, he marries Caleb's daughter, and then his daughter says, Dad, go ask Dad. And she comes up to him and says, she's telling her husband to go ask her father to give her some land. And she comes up on a horse, and Caleb just looks at her, what can I give you? And she's like, I'll have this land. It's like, what else can I give you? Well, I need some springs as well. And so she had this choice property there. She was going to develop the thing into a subdivision. She was provided for. There was already sewage and irrigation going into that place. She didn't have to worry about council permits or anything like that for it. She was just set up because he provided. And his desi- it wasn't just something he did. He desired to do it. He, he asked her before she even got a chance to ask him. Different spirit. We're, we're, we're reaching out to create something better for the next generation. And in this place, we know that doesn't just mean biological. That means our spiritual children too. We're breaking ground for our spiritual children. We, I, I just long for, for those that have come through along after and under that. They're just going to do greater things and more things than we ever did. See, different spirit of people. I said that, that Caleb went in and possessed. But see, you have to understand something. When Caleb went in and possessed, those with a different spirit don't see limitations. He was 40 when he went out and spied the promised land. The Israelites then walked around until they all died off for another 40 years. And then he went in with the armies for another five years conquering. And then when he was 85 years old. Eric, we're talking to you now, mate. 85 years old, he comes up to Joshua. He says, I'm 85 now. I'm still as strong as I was when I was 40. And I'm still as vigorous for battle as I was. Give me my land now. Which bit do you want? I want that bit over there. The bit where the giants live. The bit where the biggest fortified cities are. The hardest territory. The hill country. I don't want to flat fight and take the place on nice flat plains at all. I want that bit over there. And the Bible says that he went up and defeated three giants. In that place. See, here's the thing different spirited people don't see the limitations. He was 85. I'm sure his body was getting a little bit older, but he didn't look at that. You know, when we come to serve, we often think like that. Ah, oh, you know, I really feel God. They, they asked about this in church and they asked about this ministry, and I really feel God saying I should do it. But if they shape it like this for me, and, and if, if I'm able to do it this way, but I, I really just don't have the skill or the, oh, I just don't have the time on. That's my TV night. And we see all the limitations that get in the way. Different spirit of people don't see the limitations. They go, that's the role. God's called me to that. It doesn't matter what else. God's, if he's called me to that, he'll shape me for that. Here's the other thing of that. Caleb was 85. Different spirited people, we could say it like this, they don't retire. Different spirited people don't retire. I found this. I thought this was pretty neat. Because... Um, the retiree's decision maker. Why should I? Not having to go at anyone. Just thought that was funny. <laughs> Actually, I, I read this quote about retirement. Retirement's terrible. You never get a day off. 
But different spirit of people don't retire. Now, let me say this. You might finish your career, but you never retire from possessing the promises of God. Bruce and Jonah at the moment, Pastor Bruce and Jonah are over in India possessing the promises of God for their life and for their world. They're not going to retire. I've already got what happens when, when I'm not standing here doing this. My plan until the day I die is to be, get, find some young guy doing a, or girl doing a youth ministry and come in when I'm 85 and support that and just love on some teenagers. I've already got in mind what ministry is going to be like the whole life till, till the end. I, I just have a vision for it. Let me say this. Don't set a retirement plan. Don't ever get to the point where this is the decision maker. This is the thing. Different spirited people don't, don't possess one of these. They're still possessing the promises of God. They're still digging into the word. What do you got for me, God? What do you still have for me? Smith Wigglesworth, 66, when he started grabbing hold of the promises of God, 62 maybe, and, and started possessing that which God had for him. They don't see limitation. The other thing they have is they're not afraid of doing it tough. We already said Caleb went in, and which bit of land did he pick? Where are the giants? It actually lists off three giants that he went and personally slayed. The sons of Anak, the, the giants in the land that he took when he was 85. You know, so often we look at things and we go, man, that's hard. Man, that's hard. But different spirited people, they're not afraid to do it tough. He'd seen the blessing. He saw the he saw that God was there. You know, different spirit of people say, it doesn't matter if it costs me. It doesn't matter if it costs me time, my energy, my finance. You know, I'll even hang out with people I don't necessarily like to possess the promises of God. God wants to say over you this year. He wants to declare over you that you are a person with a different spirit, fighting giants, this is the thing he's got for us as a church. We're a church with a different spirit. Say it with me. I have a different spirit. I have. Come on, we've got a different spirit. Don't go with the flow. Have a positive confession. A possession mentality. We follow fully. Provide for future generations. Don't see limitations. Not afraid of doing it tough. Father, Lord, we want to just come this year and we just, just see that in your word and, and know that you have great things laid out for us. Lord, inside us, we ask again this morning that you would shape us, that, Lord, you would place your spirit inside us. Lord, you would stir up your spirit inside us. Continue to fan your presence in us, Lord, that difference to the world. Lord, we're not of this world. Lord, so we look to heaven our resource. We look to heaven for our nature, our character. Lord, we look to you to shape us, Lord, as you send us out to possess the promises of God. You know, I love mornings like this because I, I just know that the Holy Spirit is at work and he does things and he's been working on people. Maybe you're here and you've, as you've been working, we've been talking about having that, that different spirit and maybe you're sitting there and you feel him just talking to you and going, well, hang on, there's another spirit inside. There's a different aspect that you've been possessing. There's a negative spirit that's going on perhaps or there's been a limited spirit over your life or a victim spirit that's been over your life. 
as believe this morning, God wants to set people free. He just wants to release you of that and just instill that different spirit stirring inside you. Now, and in a moment, we're going we're gonna to worship. And as we do, if you just like some prayer this morning, maybe God's been talking to you. And maybe as we worship, he, he's just going to keep talking to you. He says, I, I want to deliver you of some spirit. I want to deliver you of some nature and just place my presence in that. Maybe you're here this morning and the Holy Spirit's already been ministering. He's just going, you know what? You've walked away from God. Or maybe you're here and you've never actually made that decision to follow Jesus, to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you're here today and, and, and the Holy Spirit's already been talking to you. He's, he's telling you, you know what? You need to say yes today. You need to meet me this morning. There's something going on inside you that you're like, I, I just need to get things right with God. I just need to get things right with God. You know, we're just going to stand and worship. Now, let's just stand as we bring God praise this morning. And I just invite you just to make your way out the front just so we can pray with you and introduce you. I, I just believe the Holy Spirit just wants to cut some things off and place His nature inside you.